good morning, friends. Welcome to church. How are we today? We doing good? It is good to see you. It is good to be together. You maybe have noticed it is a family worship this Sunday. That means we will have our elementary schoolers and our middle schoolers here in the service with us today. We are so glad to be together as a whole family. We don't do this often. We, we don't have a chance maybe to have everyone in the room at the same time all the time, but it is such a special opportunity we have to worship together with our whole Christ Church family. Kiddos, I want to talk to you, kids, students. We're better when you're here. We love you. We're so glad you guys are here. Sing with us. Pray with us. Worship with us. We're so glad you're here. Parents, your kids might be a little squirrely. It's okay. It's okay. It's expected. We know it. We're so, 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 so glad that we are able to be together and to worship together as a whole family. So now, friends, as you are able, I'd like to invite you to stand, and I'm going to read Psalm 100 as a call to worship this morning as we enter into the presence of God together as a community. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs and know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And so we enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. We give thanks to him, and we praise his name, for the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Friends, let's lift our voices together as we worship God. Come on, let's put our hands together. Worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things.
Everybody can go ahead and find a seat. My name is Tracy Bianchi. If we've not met before, it is my joy to serve as one of the pastors here on staff. And we have something a little bit different planned this morning than you might find on a typical morning in worship. We're doing this in here. We're doing this over in the sanctuary. We are walking through the steps of worship, the reasons why we sing songs and pray prayers and do some of the other things we do in worship. So our sermon is gonna be a little bit shorter today and we're gonna spend a little bit more time doing teaching moments like this. And we're doing this because sometimes, some of us have been coming to church for years, and maybe some of you are here for the first time, but myself included, almost all of us have asked a question, I wonder why we do that? I wonder why we say these words why do we stand up when we sing? What makes coming to church different than going to a concert? Why do we have a sermon every week? I mean, we know we do that every week, but why do we do it? And why do we pray together in church? How is praying together different than maybe praying on our own? And so this thing that we do every week, this order of things is called a liturgy. And some of us go, you know what? I go to the contemporary worship. I don't go to the liturgical service. We have a liturgy. We have a liturgy. Everything we do is part of a liturgy. Liturgy simply means an order of doing things. And so we're gonna to talk today 
about why we do what we do. It's why we decided to do this on the weekend when our kids are with us in worship too, because as families and as the whole community of God, we want to know why we do the things we do. So what I'm going to do real quick is tell you a little bit about what we just did, and then Steve and I are going to take turns this morning teaching you some things and reminding us of some things. And if you came in a little late, which is totally okay, we laugh that this is usually the 11 o'clock service, not the 1045. But what you probably missed if you weren't here right on time is that at the very beginning, Steve read from Psalm 100. And every week we start our worship together with this moment called a call to worship. It is a moment where we say, all the scurrying is stopping. The donuts, the coffee, the parking, the drop off of kids, whatever it is, we're ending that and we're now collecting ourselves and starting to worship God. We are praising him and declaring his goodness and welcoming him to our lives. It's a little bit like having friends over for dinner. There's a lot of scurrying before the doorbell rings. And in our house, there's a lot of shoes that get thrown into random closets that we can't find later. And there's crumbs still on the floor and there's things that are cooking and that aren't finished yet that were supposed to be done. And then the doorbell rings and you answer the door and you truly are excited that the people who came over are there. You go, welcome. And then we praise them in some way. Not in a weird way, but we're like, it is so good to see you. You look fantastic. Thanks for coming over. A call to worship is a little bit like that. Hey God, there's a lot of stuff hiding in our closets, but we welcome you to our hearts. You've been here all along, but we're acknowledging it and we're welcoming to worship. And then we stand and sing, which is what we just did, which is what we're about to do again. And we stand because it is the right posture. We stand if we're able because that is what we do in front of a holy God. And there were times when my kiddos were little that they'd be like, oh, can we sit down now? This song feels really long. We repeat things in worship because by repetition, they get inside of us. And we don't always believe or experience what we're singing but by singing it and reminding ourselves of it, it becomes part of the fabric of who we are. And it's why sometimes you see people with their head down and their hand raised and they are praising God because what they are saying has somehow been made true in their life or they're just desperate for it to be true. And so that is what we do when we come together. We welcome God into this place. We say marvelous, wonderful things about who God is. And then we stand to our feet and we lift our voices and we sing together. Last thing, when we sing, we sing with the saints throughout the ages. Not every song we sing is new. The song we're about to sing is newish, but it's got some echoes of old songs in it. We sing with the thousands year old tradition of the church where cultures and people throughout history and time have also stood on their feet and sung to Jesus. So let's stand up again. Let's lift our voices and join with the saints throughout history as we sing together one more time this morning. Precious Lord Jesus, treasure of mine, oh, what a privilege to be your delight, 
morning by morning new glories I see oh what a God of all fathers, you're the God of my peace, God the seated. Every week in worship, we get to a moment where we pray together. 
And some of you have been in the community of faith for many years and maybe you have a good prayer relationship with God, you know how to pray. Some of you are like, I don't know what to do when I pray. Do I fold my hands? Do I bow my head? What do I do? What posture do I take? And every week when we come together and pray together, the Spirit is with us in a different way even when we're together than when we're alone. And if you don't have words to say when you pray, that is okay. That's part of the gift of coming to church because the people in this room, somebody, sometimes the pastor, sometimes the person next to you, they have words that we can share with each other. And sometimes we pray silently and sometimes we recite words together. And you might be in church today with great celebration and joy in your heart. It is a sunny holiday weekend. No one's going to work or school tomorrow. You're feeling great. Maybe you have words to say that. Some of you are here today and you're like, I don't even know if I'm going to make it to tomorrow. I don't have words. I'm angry, I'm upset, I'm lost, I'm confused. That's okay because the people of God have words we can share to bring before our God. So we're going to pray. Steve's going to lead us and then he's going to take over for a few things and we're going to call and respond together. Steve's going to pray something and we as the people of God are going to say words together to ask God corporately out loud for his prayer and his blessing to be with us. So let's join our hearts and Steve will tell us what words we're gonna say. <laughs> Friends, we're gonna pray. And as we do, I'm gonna pray in little chunks. And at the end of each chunk, I'm, I'm gonna say, oh God, we pray to you, to which we will respond all together, Lord, hear our prayer. Oh God, we pray to you, Lord, hear our prayer. God, we pray for our community. We pray for the people in this room and those not with us today. We pray for families and children and parents back to school in new rhythms, for teachers trying to, to get used to the new school year, for the busyness we feel. We pray that you would meet us in this season of our life. Oh God, we pray to you. Lord, hear our prayer. God, we pray for those in our community who are hurting. We pray for those who are experiencing illness or injury or loss or poverty. God, we pray for those who are grappling with, with loneliness or addiction. We pray that you would meet us that you would heal us, that you would fix what feels unfixable. Oh God, we pray to you. Lord, hear our prayer. God, we pray for the church. Not just our church, but the church down the road and the church around the corner and the churches all over America and the world meeting today in your name. God, help us to be beacons of light in a sometimes challenging world. Help us to be faithful to the call that you have placed on our lives. Help us to be people who see those in need, those who need a helping hand. Help us to see, see that and to be people who step in and lift them out of that. We pray for unity for your church, that we would be united in your name. Oh God, we pray to you. Lord, hear our prayer. God, we pray for our country. 
As we walk into another election season, maybe still recovering from the last one, as we feel the, the tension and the instability and the, the, the tenuousness of, of all of that, God, we ask that you would give us wisdom and grace and peace. Oh God, we pray to you. Lord, hear our prayer. And God, we pray specifically for, for some of the difficulty and tragedy we see unfolding around the world. We pray for the community in Maui as they recover from wildfires and people in Canada and Greece and elsewhere doing the same. God, we pray for communities in Florida and Georgia and the Carolinas and Mexico and the Caribbean recovering from hurricanes. Be near, God. Meet their needs, meet them in their time of loss. God, we pray for peace in places of instability in the Ukraine, in Myanmar, in Libya, in Gabon, in Niger, all these places that you know, God, where people are feeling the barbs of brokenness. Heal what feels unfixable. Oh God, we pray to you. Lord, hear our prayer. And now God, in the quietness of this space, as we gather as a family, we lift in silence to you the things that we carry in our own hearts. Oh God, we pray to you. Lord, hear our prayer. Amen. What well, is good to be together, friends? Can I tell you something embarrassing from my day? I, I, I walked on stage earlier and I realized as I walked up that I have some of my, my, my toddler son's breakfast on my, my shirt here, um, which is just life, right? Um, because we live like so close together. Our lives are so on, on top of each other. It's just normal that sometimes I wear the Cheerios in the morning. And we as a church get to kind of do that too. In, in the book of Acts in chapter 2, and Tracy will talk more about this later, but in, the, in chapter 2 in the book of Acts, um, the church is just starting. They're just figuring out what it means to, to be people who live together, and, and it gives us a little, a really brief liturgy of what their lives looked like. Here's what we committed ourselves to doing, the author of Acts wrote. And it says, they committed themselves to fellowship, to being together, to the breaking of bread here and in homes, to prayer, and to the learning from the apostles' teaching from the Bible. All of those things you've seen in our service already. And they said one more thing. It says, and they, they shared, they had in common all things. This is they had in common all things and God added to their number daily. We are invited as Jesus people. The church, as long as it's existed, has been a community of people that has chosen as an act of worship to have all things together in common. And so sometimes we, we, as an act of worship, we intertwine intentionally our lives together so intentionally, so formally, that sometimes we end up with each other's kids' Cheerios in our lap. And 
And that's a beautiful thing. And so for that reason, because we believe so much in the intertwining of our lives together, at this point in the service, it's, it's customary for someone like me to come up and share a few notes about what's going on in the life of the church. And it's not an ad break, it's, it's a choice. It's us declaring as a people, we wanna be a people that are so intertwined because it matters to us that we have all things in common. And that's why we talk every week about something called Christ Church in Five. We do this thing called Christ Church in Five at the end of the service, if it, you're new to our community and you wanna know more about this family of believers, I'm gonna stand right here. I would love to connect with you and help you to know about the wonderful people in this room. That's why we talk about what's going on, because we get to share and celebrate what God is doing in this community. And we wanna be intentional about weaving our lives together. I want you to know what's coming up. And so I see families, I see people I know, the Cudneys I think are in the back row. I want you to know that, that elementary school and middle school, they're kicking off next week. Cal kicks off on Wednesday, it's gonna be awesome. We're having a huge celebration for our elementary schoolers next week. I, I see the Lipinski's high school, it's kicking off, and the Ross right next to each other, come on. High school is starting next Sunday. I want you there, we want our families, our people to be so intertwined. We have stuff for, for adults in their 20s if you're a young adult. If, if you're in your 80s and you want to be a part of a community that is for you, if, if you are interested in small groups or you have a young family, you want to be a part of all of these things, we want you there because we care so deeply about weaving our lives intentionally together and sharing all things in common. And then you'll hear one last kind of announcement generally in, the, in this space, and that's letting you know what's coming next that next week we're kicking off a new series where we're exploring the book of Exodus. Because we know that you go home and you interact with other people and you have the people that you care so deeply about that you want to invite into this community and we wanna give you as much as you need so you know, hey, if I bring my friend, this is what they're gonna experience. And so we hope you'll join us. We hope you'll bring your people next week as we kick off a series in the book of Exodus. And so friends, I'm gonna invite the ushers forward and as we continue in worship today, we get to be a people in every sense of the word who shares all things in common for the glory of God and for the edification of his people gathered here in this space. And as we give our tithes and our offerings to God, give knowing that God takes the small offerings of our church family and he takes them and he magnifies them and multiplies them for the good of his people. Friends, let's share all that we have together in common. So give to God his tithes and our offerings.
nothing else fit for a king except for our hearts singing Let's pray together again before we move into our next bit of time together. Lord, thank you for the gift of that song, the gift of raising up our hallelujahs. Lord, thank you that we get to praise you. Thank you that we are your people. Turn our ears now to hear the message from your word. Change us and shape us into new people, to better versions of ourselves because we let your word become part of our heart this morning. In the name of Jesus, all of the people of God together said, amen. amen. I had a great summer going to a lot of concerts. Did anybody go to a concert this summer? Some of us may have, yeah. I love live music. Uh, my kids like to go to live music with me. We made up for, I think, all of the concerts that we missed during COVID. And if you've not been to a concert in a while or maybe never thought about it while you were there, there's a certain set of expected patterns and habits and rituals that go into going to see live music. First of all, there's a way of dressing. Maybe you wear a concert t-shirt from the last time you saw whoever you're going to see. Certainly if you saw Taylor Swift this summer, there is an outfit that you wear when you go to see Taylor Swift. There's an outfit you wear if you go to Country Thunder and you want your hat and your boots. And those outfits are different than what you probably wear if you went to Lollapalooza this summer. There's expected attire that you wear. And when you get there, there's sort of a routine that you may not think of. You come a little early, maybe you get a new t-shirt, you get your swag, you get a couple of snacks, you go sit down in your seat, you wonder if you know any songs by the opening band. And then all of a sudden, the opening band plays the one song that everybody does know by that band, and all of a sudden, everybody's paying attention. And then the lights come back up, and the background music starts to play, and you kind of wonder, how long is it going to be till the band that I've come to see is on? And then all of a sudden, the lights go down, and the background music gets really loud, and the stage, boosh, the lights go up on the stage, but there's nobody on the stage, but everybody starts screaming anyway, because it's about to happen. And then a rock star comes out and is like, let's give it up, Chicago! And everybody loses their marbles because it's happening! And then even during the, uh, the concert set, it's a couple hours long, and there's sort of all these songs you know, and then there's the new song that they're not sure is a good song yet, and it's acoustic, and everybody kind of sits down because you're like, I don't know this one, and everybody's like, oof, my feet hurt. I'm glad we get to sit. And then at the end, there's the encore, and the band acts like they're done, but they're not really done. And everybody knows they're not really done because they haven't played that one song that they always play. And they kind of leave the stage and everybody's like, come back. And they come back and then they leave again. And sometimes they come back again. And then we know it's over when all the lights come back on. And, uh, and then we go sit for four hours in the parking lot and wait to go, wait to go home. That's a liturgy. That's a liturgy. We do liturgy here in church. Liturgy is a religious word, but it wasn't always a religious word. Liturgy, literal, bleh, 
liturgy, literally means a public work of people. That's why you might hear in some circles people call liturgies the work of the people, the work of the church. It is people coming together in a public way, doing something together that will lead you to a certain response. In scripture, liturgy shows up all the time. Genesis chapter one is a liturgy. It is a rhythm, it is a routine, is it a repeated pattern? God said, let there be this, and so it was. God repeats, it is good, it is good, it is very good, and there was morning and there was day, there is a pattern, there is a rhythm. Our Bible opens with a liturgy. And as you move throughout the Old Testament, what you discover is that God instructed his people in the liturgy they should have and how they should worship him, what the priest should wear, where the Ark of the Covenant should go, how big the tabernacle or the temple should be, what scrolls would be read, who was and was not allowed to do certain things in worship. It was a liturgy. And when we get to the New Testament, Jesus followed many customs from the Old Testament liturgy. We forget Jesus was not a Christian. Christianity started because of the life and death of resurrection of Jesus, but Jesus was a Jewish rabbi. And as a Jewish man, he went through the liturgies of his culture. He was, uh, the week he was executed and, and, and crucified, he was there for the Passover feast. He was doing a liturgy. There were songs and there were meals and there were expected habits. And so when we get to the New Testament, and Steve talked about it a little bit already from the book of Acts, it is no surprise then that the people of God, when they started the early church together, figured out they needed a liturgy. And if you look at Acts chapter 2, and you can go more in depth into this when you get home this week, but we have the Uh, sort of famous-ish ending of that chapter that some of us know. But even at the beginning of that chapter, it's, it's Pentecost. And all of the people of God have come together and they're having these remarkable experiences. And it's the very beginning of the church and everybody's figuring out what does it mean that there's a Holy Spirit and that the Lord was raised from the dead and, and the Pentecost story is too much to go into today, but they're all speaking in all of these different languages and, and it's, it's exciting and it's chaotic and Peter at the beginning of Acts chapter two stands up and says, uh, first of all, they're all gathered together and then Peter says, hey everybody, this is what's happening. He stands up in front of all the gathered believers and starts to teach them to explain what God is doing in that time. He's preaching. And then Peter offers a scripture to support what he's saying because it's not just Peter's ideas, it's not just what he woke up and decided to say that morning, it's coming from God. And so he reads from the prophet Joel and he talks about what God is doing and he uses scripture to explain it. And there's the sacrament of baptism. There's the beginnings of the sacrament of communion because everybody's sharing a meal together. And by the time we get to the end of Acts chapter two, we read that they were teaching together. There was fellowship, there was breaking of bread. They were giving to others as they had need. And this pattern continues from there all throughout Christian history to where we are today. Even later in Acts chapter 20, we're told that worship was still taking place on the first day of the week we came together and broke bread on the first day of the week. So now we have a day of the week 
that is designed for liturgy, for worship. The pattern of what we do was set out for us in scripture. But what we don't often think about are all the other liturgies, what Walter Brueggemann calls competing liturgies, of all the other liturgies that exist around us that are vying for our attention. And some of them are fun, they're concert liturgies. I mean, we're about to start the liturgy of all liturgies in the United States. The NFL kicks off on Thursday night. That is a liturgy, if there ever was one, right? Again, expected attire. If you go to a game, there's the national anthem and planes fly over. And there's a halftime show of some sort. And there are things you chant to your team and there are things you chant to the other team. And there's a pattern. If you play fantasy football, beep, 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 you get the alert on your app. It's time to set your lineup. That is a liturgy. It's distracting you. It's calling you every week to do something. That can be a fun liturgy. There are liturgies in our culture that are pretty toxic. There's the liturgy of materialism and consumerism. A litany of experiences that are designed for you to spend, for you to shop, for you to believe that you are not enough and somehow this thing you are going to buy is going to make it better. TikTok, Instagram, that's a liturgical experience in some ways. The videos, there's a certain cadence to them. There are certain voices that make for good TikToks. There are certain ways we engage with there are fonts that work better than others. These are designed, some of them, as advertisements for you. There are the placement of ads at the beginning of whatever you're binging on Netflix or if you're actually watching something on TV, there are commercials placed at pivotal moments. These are liturgies of marketing and consumerism. You do not have enough. You need to go somewhere and spend your money. You do not look right. You are not the right weight. You are not the right person, you're not at the right school, you're not at any school at all, whatever it is, something about you is deficient and this product is gonna fix that for you. That's a liturgy of consumerism and marketing. There is a liturgy, God help us, of politics. Most of us are like, oh Lord have mercy, not another election. That liturgy, in Iowa, in New Hampshire, and the debates, and what the candidates wear, and what they say, and what they don't say, and the placement of political ads. They're designed to elicit a response from us, our vote, or our contribution, perhaps, to a political campaign. Those liturgies are here. The liturgy of scripture, of the acts, to community, the liturgy we still do here at church, that is a different liturgy. And these liturgies often collide. And so when we come to church every week and we rise to our feet and we sing the praises to our Lord and we pray the prayers of the saints and we study God's word, these are designed to go against the liturgies of our time that are competing for our affection and our attention. These liturgies of God's people actually teach us how to exist, how to behave, how to act in the world in a way that represents God. And the beautiful thing about church is that sometimes, let's admit, when it's over, we're like, whew, okay, got that over with, check that box, now I'm going to go about my day. But the reality of church is we take the things we do together with us. And this is sort of a, a training ground of sorts. 
And we do these things together because they make sense to do together, but we do them together so that we can teach ourselves and one another how to take them with us. It's part of why we love our children in the room right now, because we can learn how to do these things very young and also very late into our lives. And so consider for a moment the power of some of the things we do in prayer. Often when we pray, we confess. We say to God, I am so sorry that I am a mess. You are God, I am not. And there are moments, especially in the classic traditional liturgy, but in this liturgy too, we say, it's okay, God forgives you. Now consider the power of that experience you have at church and take it around a table of your friends, your roommates, your family, when somebody in the circle has wronged somebody else and they have to say those hard words, you guys, I'm really sorry, I screwed up this week. And then that moment just kind of lays there and think of the power of when one person in the family or the friendship circle says to the other, it's okay, I forgive you. Is it possible we know how to do those things because we've been together learning in this tradition, doing them together, learning how to pray, how to forgive, how to welcome people when they come into our lives, how to bless them. I'm gonna share one more element of liturgy that I think we can take with us when we leave and it's gonna tip us into another song and, and some closing thoughts for our time today. But every week, a pastor stands up at the end of worship and says a benediction. And they usually go like this and we even bend our knees a little bit and do this kind of thing that we do. There's a reason the pastor just doesn't go, peace, you guys, have a good week. It's, there's a reason they don't drop the mic and exit like, you know, a rock star does. There is a moment in the benediction where we say to one another, we were all together. And we learned something beautiful and good and true together. And now let's go out and do those things in the world. It's actually not the end of worship as much as it is the beginning of the week of us living out God's things together. And we are sent out. The people of God are a sent people. And we send people all the time, if you think about it, in our lives. Many of you have sent kids to school this week or last week. I just sent our oldest son, my husband and I sent our son to college. Some of you will send people you love this week into surgery, to chemotherapy, to a doctor's appointment, they don't want to go to. Some of you will pack up a best friend or a roommate or a brother or a sister because they're going to start an adventure across the country or around the world and you're going to send them on their way. The U-Haul is going to pull out and you're going to feel sad about that. But you're excited for them because they're being sent somewhere. And we can tell without even announcing it that there's something sacred happening there. That it's a little different than just saying bye thanks to the the person at the, the checkout store at the grocery store, that there's something kind of sacred in sending. And there's sort of a moment where you say, hey, the friendship we have or the life we share as a family has been filled with all sorts of good things. We have learned things together. We have wondered about things together. We have studied maybe God's word together. We have sorted life out together. Now take all of that that you know and take it with you and go do wonderful things with it or go face your greatest fear with it. Go talk to the doctor knowing you are blessed and sent. And that doesn't mean all of our sendings work out okay. 
Sometimes they don't. But it means you're not alone when you go because someone has sent you and you have been sent with purpose and you have been sent by the power of God when we do it in Christian communities. And so we are going to sing together a benediction song. It is a song of blessing and sending. It's called the ironic blessing, which my daughter used to call the ironic blessing. <laughs> but it comes from the priest Aaron, who was Moses' right-hand guy, and they pastored very much together. Moses got tangled up a lot, and Aaron came in and helped him out. God set Aaron at his side. And there's a passage in number six where God says to Moses, tell Aaron to tell the people that they are blessed and that they are sent. And that when they come together in worship, when they honor me, they leave as a sent people, not for their own sake alone, but for the generations to come. Sent into the future so that generations will rise up and stand on their feet and sing these songs and pray these prayers in the same way. So as we sing this song together, which you guys can rise up as we prepare to sing, think about this blessing and may this be ascending to you, a way of receiving all that God is for us in this moment. Children and their children, and 
is for us as we go from here to whatever liturgy we're part of, we bring this most glorious liturgy with us. God is for us. God is with you. If that doesn't feel like quite where you're at or you want to pray about that, we have friends over here who would love to pray with you today. If you want to know how to be part of the family that Steve talked about, we would love to meet you down here. Steve will be down there. But friends, receive now this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift the light of his countenance towards you and grant you peace now in this moment forevermore. And until we meet again, amen. amen.